So I know many of you know our uh, niece and nephew, Elijah and Ella, and Ella was just complaining recently. She's like, my knees hurt all the time. My elbows hurt all the time because she's having a growth spurt. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about growing, but in a different way, growing in Christ. So I'd ask you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, you've called us to grow, to grow in grace, to increase our understanding of Jesus, and to develop a close and intimate relationship with you. Lord, this is what we desire to do, and we pray that we may come to know you more and more each day. Thank you for the Bible, which is written to help us understand your word of truth. And thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit, who has promised to guide us in the way that we should go. We pray that we learn to walk in spirit and truth so that we may mature in our Christian faith and learn to live like Christ. O Lord, we thank you and praise you for the everlasting life you've given to us by your grace and love. May we grow day by day to be more like you, full of compassion and kindness. Saturate our hearts with your love so that we can love you more each day. Give us your eyes to see those around us. Give us your compassion for the hurting world. Thank you for the gift, again, of the Holy Spirit who is making us become more like you each day. We want to reflect you in thought, word, and deed. We ask that we may devote our time and heart to reflect on all you are and all you've done for us so that you are magnified more each day in our lives. We pray that others can see you in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. So we are going to be talking about growth and discipleship this morning. Um, And I've done a sermon kind of like this before, where to me it's less sermon and more seminar. It's me talking about um, things we're doing, new initiatives or, or, or different things, uh, just sort of more, more specific to us than sort of the eternal truths of the Scripture. Uh, and I am going to read Scripture, and I am going to expound uh, on it, and I'm going to end with an inspirational charge to you, so it'll be a, like a sermon in that way, but I'm also going to talk about some things that are very specific to um, our congregation as well. Let's pray, and then let's start looking at some, some Scripture. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for those ancient words that are eternal. They are from so far in the past and yet more current than this morning's newspaper. And I pray that you will help us to be always consuming your word, always digesting your word, always meditating and contemplating your word. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, so Paul uh, wrote uh, the book of Philippians, and uh, I love the writings of Paul. I actually don't preach a lot from, from Pauline epistles. Um, sometimes I just kind of feel like, well, they're a little on the nose. You can just read them and understand. Uh, uh, other times I feel like I'm inadequate to preach them. Uh, I was talking to somebody earlier this week 
about Romans, the book of Romans. Romans, uh, he was uh, talking about Romans chapter 9, which is the hardest uh, chapter in the Bible, the hardest uh, theology to digest and to contemplate, and, and sort of just the whole middle of the book of Romans is just really hard. It's, uh, I heard one pastor call it the greatest theological treatise ever written. Um, by that same token, Paul read some, wrote some other very simple things, some very inspirational things, some things that are uh, very day-to-day life, not, not so high and lofty, not truths so confusing you cross your eyes or anything, just very simple things. And, and Philippians is one of those, I don't know that I would call it just simple, but it is very down-to-earth. It's very down-to-earth for a group of people who were having a very hard time. Uh, and in it, Paul is extremely transparent. He's extremely transparent about who he is, where he's come from, and what else he needs in life. Uh, even Paul here in this passage, can you believe it? Saint Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and he's going to say, he's going to admit quite openly in this passage, I'm not where I want to be yet. I'm not who I am, uh, who I want to be yet. I, I'm, not, I'm not the kind of Christian that I hope to be someday. He, even, he also confessed that in Romans, by the way. He, uh, Romans chapter 7, just read that, and boy, is it just a back-and-forth frustration with why am I not who I'm supposed to be yet? And so if you've ever felt that way, uh, don't worry, you're in, you're in a good club. Uh, you're in a good club of people who are not who they want to be yet, but who all in faith believe that someday they will be exactly who they want to be, or at least uh, better yet, who Christ created them to be. I don't even know. Uh, Sometimes I know, or sometimes I feel like I know, and and generally I know who Christ created me to be, um, but then I will know exactly more fully who Christ created me uh, to be. But until then... There's a little bit of frustration, there's a little bit of discomfort, and there's this feeling in the back of your mind and the Holy Spirit's conviction that I need to take another step closer to Jesus. Um, when, I, when I first came here, I sort of changed our church's slogan, um, and I've changed it again. Now, it, it used to be bringing people one step closer to Jesus. Well, it's kind of felt to me like we were taking people by the shirt collar and dragging them, all right? Uh, instead, I, I changed it again recently to an invitation. Come, take a step closer to Jesus. Uh, not that I'm so far ahead of him, but I'm taking steps towards him, and please join me on that way. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, uh, and he had started out the, the whole beginning part of, of Philippians chapter 3 telling you how awesome he used to be, all right, in his own mind at least, and telling you uh, how Far he had advanced in Judaism, and and the you know in the circle that he was in, he had he was reaching the top, and then he comes back here uh, in chapter three, three verse seven. After all of that, and he says, "But whatever gains were to me, what whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ." In other words, I was nearing the top. I was almost the number one guy in the class. I was almost the number one power figure in the circles that I used to be in. And now I look at that and I say, what a loss. How, how, how messed up was my mind that I thought that was greatness? How, how immature of me, how ignorant of me, how deluded I was to think that that was me reaching for greatness now I know otherwise. Now I know that I thought I was reaching up. I was really reaching down, something like that. I, consider, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. 
What is more, I consider everything I lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. So when he started following Christ, of course he couldn't be in that group anymore. They re he rejected them, of course, and embraced Christ, but of course they rejected him too. They put the warrant out for his arrest or whatever, however you might want to uh, think of it. And he says, you know what? It is a loss. I wasted so many years and I consider all of those things garbage. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Those things that I chased after, I used to value them so highly. Now I look at it and I say, it's just trash. And actually, some of your Bibles may even make it sound worse because I think that in the original, more or less, the idea was manure. All right? I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Because I used to not value Christ, now I do. All those things that I used to value, I don't value anymore. Now I only value Jesus Christ himself. And be found in him, not having a righteousness that comes from the law, which is what I was good at. I was really good at keeping rules. I was really good at following the law. I was better than anybody else. But now I want the righteousness that doesn't come from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. You see, following rules doesn't make you right with God. It may make you better than other people, and if that's all you want, then go ahead and keep being a rule follower. But if you want to be righteous in Christ's eyes, then you need to lean on somebody else's works. Uh, this is a thought that has gone through my head a lot lately that we always proclaim salvation by faith, salvation by faith, salvation by faith. And it is by faith in Christ, by leaning on Christ, but it's also leaning on his work. I don't lean on my own work. I lean on his work. Ask him if it was hard to purchase our salvation. Because you see, there are some people out there that say, what, just believe in Jesus? That's too easy. Believe in Jesus that I can go to heaven? That's too easy. And I always just want to say, no, 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 no. Ask Jesus if it was easy. It was not easy. It was agony. It was a lot of work for him. It was a lot of pain and punishment and suffering for him. It's easy for you, but it's not easy. It wasn't easy for him. And so now we lean on his works. We lean on his righteousness. We lean on his sacrifice on the cross. And we say, oh my goodness, how can it possibly so, be so easy for me? Because of what he went through. That is the righteousness that comes by faith, that he declares us righteous, no matter what our list of felonies is. And he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. What? I thought life was all about comfort. Not for Paul. He's changed his mind. He understands things a bit more. And he says, I see the value of Christ's sufferings so much that I even want to participate in that? Goodness, what a mindset am I going to have to change to to enjoy suffering or to want to participate in that? With him, because for me, life's all about comfort. Life's all about my ease. Life's all about my entertainment and amusement. But not for Paul. He says, No, I see what Jesus did, and I want to do the same kind of thing, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus 
took hold of me. I have thrown away everything else, and I am following Christ, and I know exactly what the goal is. I'm just not there yet. And that is his great confession. I haven't obtained this yet. I'm telling you what I'm going after, and I'm telling you what you should go after. But I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get there. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do know, and this is the great, uh, there, there are two or three great uh, passages or scriptures, verses in, in the book of Philippians, and this is one of those that you ought to commit to memory, okay? Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. Doesn't matter who I used to be. Doesn't matter what I've done. I just turn my back on it, leave it behind. And where do I hear that call from Him coming? Come to me, come to me. It's coming from over there. And that's where I'm going, right there. Everything else behind me is garbage. That is what I'm, I'm headed towards and, and going for. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Very interesting. All of us who are mature, and I think he has the understanding that anybody who's a new believer in Christ may not have grasped hold of this yet. They haven't really self-analyzed to the point that they can consider everything in their past as garbage. But all of us who are mature, how many of you consider yourselves mature? Don't raise your hand. Just, just look in your heart and say, well, I thought I was. If this is what it takes, I'm not, maybe I'll just go ahead and consider myself still a, a, a child in Christ. But you know how long you've been following Jesus. And you know how mature you ought to be by now. <laughs> For all, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, well, that too God will make clear to you. Interesting. So interesting. Every phrase in here is interesting that he says, well, I understand that you and I may disagree on a few points, and you disagree with each other too. But there is a right way to think. Let's all be praying that God makes it clear to us. That's funny, okay? Only let us live up. Ooh, this is, this is really painful. Let us live up to what we have already attained. You have a certain maturity. Even if you don't consider yourself a very mature Christian, you've got a certain level of maturity already if you've been following Christ for any length of time. And he said, are you living up to the standards that you already know? Ouch! Goodness, Paul. Lay off. You're, you're, you're calling me and urging me to, uh, uh, and inspiring me to throw away everything I know is actually worthless and press on towards Christ, and you're calling me to be mature, and you're telling me you probably ought to be more mature than this by now. And then he says, well, whatever maturity level you have attained, be sure to live in that perfectly. Well, ouch, Paul, I don't do that either. All the things I know I ought to do, I still don't do those things how in the world can I take even greater steps of maturity if I haven't even hardly grasped who I am right now? One thing that I've learned during all the shutdown and the quarantine and the, the virus and the stress of it all is that anytime stress comes into my life, I take a step backwards in maturity. I was making great grains or great gains in a few areas of my life, but when the Lord added a, a, an extra stressor in there, Guess what I did? I regressed in maturity just a step, I hate to say two, maybe three. And that's just what happened. 
That's just what happened. But all the stress and all the difficulty in our lives is meant to make us take a step forward again and again and get stronger in the maturity level that we've already attained. Well, how do you grow? How do you grow? How do you take those steps, steps forward? Um, how does it happen here at Faith Christian Church? How in the world do we help you? And, and, and again, your Christian life kind of comes to you in two facets. It's a lonely thing and it's a congregational thing. You're with a community of people, but other times you're quite alone in it. It's you and your relationship with Christ. And it's us and our relationship with Christ. But we're not all, you know, we're, here we are, a congregation moving forward. And we're not all at the same steps at the same uh, time. We're not all at the same maturity level in Christ at the same time. So it becomes difficult for us to really walk together all the time. And those times when you feel like you're alone, well, that's you and Jesus on the trail. You know, if we were all walking, if we all decided to go ahead and walk up to Red Barn for lunch today as a congregation, you know uh, how it would go. Some people would be in a group. At first, we'd start off in a group together, but at, at a certain point, the introverts among us would sort of pair off and talk, okay? Well, at a certain point, you and Jesus need to just pair off and talk. You're not leaving the congregation. You're just walking over here out of earshot so the two of you can have a conversation while everybody else is still walking together. But at a certain point, you join the congregation again, sing a song together or whatever, like we talked about last week, okay? Well, your relationship with God, your relationship with Christ, your walk with Him is both just you and Him, just you and Him, very much you uh, by yourself with Jesus, but it's also very much a congregational thing. And as you walk with Christ by yourself, um, I, hope that, I hope that you are reading your Bible regularly and digesting it and applying it to your life. I also hope that you're spending sufficient time in prayer, private worship, and sitting and contemplating the things of, of God, and also hearing from Him so that He can nudge you in the direction you need to go to do the things you need to do and to serve in the way you need to serve. That's you. That's you and Him. The most that I can do for you as your pastor is inspire you to do that. All right? How long has it been since you said, you know what, I'm just going to go sit over here by myself with Jesus. That's a, an oxymoron, by myself with Jesus. But I'm going to sit there and I'm going to talk to him alone. And it's going to be just me and him so he and I can get a few things straight. So let me just ask you this quite rhetorically. How long has it been since you've done that? Do you need to do that? Okay, then. Make a plan. Right now, I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Make a plan. This week, on this day, I'm going to do this in this place, just me and the Lord. And we're going to, we're going to talk about things, okay? 20 seconds. That sounds about right. I wasn't actually counting. As a congregation, as a congregation, as we go together, as we move towards Christ together, there are a few ways that our church, that we can help everybody take a step towards Jesus together. Um, so how do you grow together? Uh, the most obvious thing that we do here at this church the thing that everybody knows, even if they haven't been here, they assume we do this, and they're right. 
is that we worship on Sunday morning. Okay? Great. And what is Sunday morning worship? Well, in Sunday morning worship, uh, for your growth, there is both an outpouring and an inpouring. For your growth, you can come here and you can worship and you can sing to the Lord and you can purge stress and emotion in praise to Him. And you can pray and ask Him to help you. And, and congregationally, we pray together for the Lord to sustain us and to help us to grow and to help us to take steps towards, towards Him. We do this together. Congregational singing is extremely important uh, because we feed off of each other. We feed off of each other. And I think I mentioned it a while back. Have you ever been in church where you saw those people, they were worshiping so great and so uh, passionately that it helped you worship so passionately? Yes, we feed off of each other. We build off of each other that way. And then, not only is there an outpouring of worship here, an outpouring of emotion, an outpouring of praise, an outpouring of confession and supplication, that's asking things for Jesus, uh, from Jesus, uh, supplication, an outpouring of all that, there's also an inpouring here. There's an inpouring. And that inpouring comes in the form of preaching. All right? And what is preaching? Uh, there, there are a lot of people that debate about what is the true meaning of preaching a sermon. Paul called it the foolishness of preaching in one of his letters. The foolishness of it. Yes, and I think if any group of preachers gets together, they'll say, yes, it is a very strange thing. When you're a kid, you, what do you say to your parents all the time? Well, I don't, want, don't give me another sermon. And yet all of you got up this morning to come hear a sermon. You came to me so that I could rant at you for a while. Why? Why would you do that? I don't know. Now, as a preacher, I preach to myself all the time and pray for my family because they get this stuff on a daily basis, right? It's a strange thing. What is preaching? It's teaching, yes, but it's more than teaching. It's a monologue. Uh, and, and I've said this several times. It's a monologue. I'm talking to you. You're getting to know me, but I'm not getting to know you in this context. I don't know, uh, I don't know everything that you're going through. I, I, I can see that you respond to some of the things that I say. Maybe I can infer, but that's probably dangerous to do. It's not a dialogue. It's a monologue from a biblical text, all right, and at this church, the, I always want the first thing that comes out of my mouth when I step up here to the pulpit to be, good morning, open your Bibles. Good morning, open your Bibles. Because why in the world would you want to hear my authoritative teaching on my opinions? No, we open the Bible and we see what God has to say to us. Uh, and then it's given by a supposed expert, a supposed expert, all right? Uh, and and I, I think I, I've, I've talked about this before, that I hope that I know the Bible better than some of you, maybe most of you. Not that I want to hold you back. I want to always be growing too. But if all of you know the Bible better than me, well, maybe we've got a problem. Maybe you hired the wrong guy, all right? So it's from a supposed expert, which is meant to do all kinds of things. And I hope that I have taught you some things about the Bible from this pulpit. I hope that you walk away saying sometimes saying, you know, I didn't know that, or I never made that connection, or I never knew that little fact, or I never heard of that person in the Bible, and now I do. And I hope that you walk away sometimes inspired because maybe you were ready to give up on this whole following Jesus thing. But you say, you know what? I'm going to give it a little bit more time. I hope you go away smiling more, encouraged and optimistic about things. And I hope you say, wow, 
Jesus is more marvelous to me than he ever was before. That's what I hope happens in preaching. But that's not even what this sermon is about. This sermon is about the other context, the other context. Besides Sunday morning, I want this group, this congregation, to grow and take steps towards Jesus together in smaller groups. And uh, I said it in a live video this morning on Facebook that these days, large crowds are banned, okay? And large crowds, even if they're not banned, they make some people very, very nervous. They do not want to be in a large group of people. It's the perfect time for us to take a small step together uh, and, 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 or in a small group together in a small group where you could meet in a large room or out on somebody's deck or something like that, and you can learn together in a gathering that's smaller than this. And small groups, so what are they? They're made up of numbers of people, uh, made up of f fewer numbers than Sunday morning, preferably 15 or fewer, led by a peer, a peer, not a supposed expert. And I put that in there, not that I don't want experts to be leading our small groups, but uh, I don't want it all to be led by the staff members of this church, okay? So we've got two or three people that you might consider to be staff members. There's me, there's Hannah, the youth group leader, uh, and and and... Um, not that they're even paid staff members, but there are people who are recognized as ministry leaders. But I, I want everybody to understand that just about anybody here in a small group, maybe not anybody, but a lot more people than you might realize are qualified to lead a small group because your small group leader is not supposed to be seen as the person who is the source of all knowledge. It's supposed to be somebody who's just willing to say, okay, folks, let's go. That's really what it is. Somebody who can keep the get the conversation started and keep the conversation moving forward. And somebody who says, I'll volunteer my house. I'm hospitable. I, I, I will say, hey, my place is the place to meet and I'll get the conversation going and we can all talk about what we're struggling with or what we're learning all together. And it includes dialogue. This is a monologue setting. How many times have I ever been preaching and you said, I have a question, but really now is not the time to ask that question. Or, but Wes, what about this? Or what about that? Uh, you can't do that. We can't do that in this setting, okay? But in a small group, it's not meant for monologue. It's meant for dialogue, dialogue. Some of you probably out there much prefer small groups, much prefer Sunday school, because you can be heard. You can interject with a question, okay? You like that closeness there where you can really do more participation than just sitting and listening. And it gets more personal in application. It gets more personal in application because you can say, well, okay, so Wes, he was talking about this very broad, vague thing, very broad, vague. He was talking about suffering. Well, what kind of suffering? He was talking about struggles. What kind of struggles? He was talking about stress. What kind of stress? And we can get very specific and we can look at your life as a case study if you want to bring it up and say, well, here's my situation. In a sermon situation like that, we can't do that. But in a small group, you can say, here's my situation. And we can talk to you and apply a principle or a Bible passage or whatever it is to you and your specific situation right then and there. Okay? And some, for some people, that's very attractive. That's a very uh, uh, good thing that it could get personal. Okay? And the other thing is that it has a great byproduct. Small groups have a great byproduct. Even if um, the, what, the content doesn't always do it for you, even if the content is something that you already knew, 
The other great thing that, you, that happens when people meet together in small groups is that they create bonds. They create bonds. Um, in, in some churches, you, know, you see these two people who are friends. How did, you guys, uh, how did you guys meet? How did you guys get to know each other here? Uh, did you know each other before you came to church? No, 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 no. We were in a small group together or we were on a work project together. Any time that people at this church get together for something other than Sunday morning worship, they form bonds, all right? The food pantry volunteers are bonded together because they, uh, it's not that they met together for a small group, but they met together as a smaller group to do a thing together, and they got closer. Um, and, and it's one of the reasons that we, you know, when, when new people come and say, how can I serve? We'll always say food pantry. If the rummage sale is coming up, Rummage sale, okay? We always need people to help with the rummage sale. And the workers for the rummage sale, oh, they like each other. They get together and they talk about things because the rummage sale is a great place to rummage through things and make comments and say, somebody actually wore that, okay? You know, something like that. Oh, Wes would like this. Oh, what size is it? Oh, he wouldn't fit him. But anytime uh, you can get together for something other than a Sunday morning, you actually will start building great bonds with the, with the, uh, the people that you're, that you're meeting with, okay? So what's the content of a small group? What's the content of a small group? What do we, we don't just get together and have coffee, do we? Uh, I wouldn't mind if you did, but what's the content? What is the, you know, this is my philosophy, my guiding influence of what a small group's content should be. Uh, and I, I view discipleship and growth, you know, your Christian life, how, how should you growth, grow? Uh, it's like a three-legged stool. Uh, not a four, we got two four-legged stools here, but there's, it's just a three-legged stool. Knowing Jesus, okay, knowing Jesus, Becoming like Jesus, following Jesus' example. Uh, in, in another way, this is the, maybe the better way, but the drier way to say it is, you need to understand the Bible, and you need to understand some theology. Uh, a couple of months ago, we had a, a small group that met entirely on Zoom uh, where we talked about the doctrine of salvation. The big word for it is soteriology, but the, uh, we got together online, several of us, and we talked about the doctrine of salvation. Exactly how does a person go from not being a Christian to being a Christian? How does, a, how does this Christ's work on the cross, how does that apply to me? How is that applied to me? Uh, all of those things, all of those questions, uh, and then and, and, and it was a good dialogue. It was a good dialogue that we had with people, and I, I hope to think that the people in that group understood Jesus a bit better. They know Jesus a bit better and appreciate Jesus a bit better because of, uh, of having gone through that study. Also, kingdom morality. How does a Christian live? How does a Christian live? Especially a, a new believer, if they ever come in and they say, okay, I want to be, be a Jesus follower. I want to be a Christian. I, I've prayed to receive Christ. I've forgive, gotten uh, forgiveness for my sins. Now what? Now how do I live? Now, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to not do? Some of the biggest questions. How does a person live like a Christian? And so um, we need to be talking in small groups. And, you know, they, it comes up in Bible passages that I preach, but in small groups you can really delve into what about this? What about this aspect of my lifestyle? Is this right or wrong? Should I or should I not be doing this? Okay? And then the kingdom movement. The kingdom movement. What do Christians do? Do we just get together and sing? Do we just get together and eat? Do we just get together and... Um, and listen to sermons. What do we do? Is it just about Sunday school? No, there's so much more to it than that. Uh, Christ created a movement, the church, and the church does things, and the church is supposed to expand, and the, the church is supposed to um, proclaim the word of Christ 
the message of Christ in places where it has never been preached before. There is a Christian movement. What is that? What is that? Okay? Now let's get specific about some things here at Faith Christian Church. Let's talk about the small groups that we already have, the small groups we already have. Uh, our first small group that, that has been here and been here for years is just adult Sunday school, adult Sunday school. And uh, as, as soon as things, uh, restrictions are lifted and people feel comfortable again, we'll start having children's Sunday school uh, again in the back wing back here. And those are small groups, but, uh, I, well, those are small groups. Well, I'll just leave it at that. But in, in, in adult Sunday school, um, Diane, raise your hand, Diane. Diane's the one that said our congregational prayer this morning. She leads... Sunday school here. She teaches Sunday school here. And um, the, they may not think of themselves as a small group, but it's basically the same people all the time, right? Uh, they go to Sunday school and they get together and they know each other better and they connect with each other better in Sunday school. They have relationships with each other. And after church, when people are just lingering and having coffee or cookies or whatever it is that they're doing, guess what? The people who are in Sunday school often gravitate towards each other because they know each other from Sunday school, okay? Um, and then we have the youth group, and Hannah and Sam are, are all visiting family today, um, or I'd have them raise their hands, but they are, they lead the, the youth group, and that, the youth group is very tight uh, here. And then the, the ladies' Friday morning Bible study, and is Andrea sort of the one that, that is leading that now? Okay, uh, there's a woman associated with our church named Andrea Sparrow. She's not a, she's, she's got dual citizenship, Okay. She's got dual citizenship. She's very important at a church called Wayside Chapel. She's also very important here at Faith Christian Church. She's got dual citizenship, and she's, uh, she's involved in at least in a couple of our ministries here, okay? Um, she has been teaching the, the, the ladies' Friday morning Bible study. It's a great, gr a great group. They get together, they talk, they have formed bonds, and they've gone through a lot of good content together, all right? Celebrate recovery. Celebrate recovery is very specific for people with specific needs, except the more I understand it, the more I think about it, I don't think that there's anybody who doesn't qualify for celebrate recovery, all right? But it is a recovery ministry for people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups that's holding them back in life, and they need to work through these things, and they need to go through steps with Jesus uh, to, to get healed, to get recovery from those things. And the people from Celebrate Recovery, of course we gravitate to each other all the time, okay? Now, let me give you some more uh, small groups that we're, we're hoping to start soon. Uh, a while back, Kelly Chadbourne came to me and said that, you know, she, would really, she, she had a, an incredible transformation where she was a believer for a very long time, um, and then one day she really started reading the Bible, all right, and, and, uh, and for her, it was, you know, it was revolutionary. I started reading the Bible. Well, you say, well, of course, you're a Christian. You ought to read the Bible. But she really started reading the Bible, really started studying the Bible, really started loving the Bible, and really started being transformed by God's Word. And uh, all on her own, really, she didn't have uh, a help framework or anything for how to, how to study the Bible, read the Bible, get, get something out of the Bible, um, it really just started to impact her life. Well, she wants to help other people with that. And I don't know how many of you out there would say, you know what, I've got a Bible. I could read a few things in the Bible. I really don't know where to start. It's such a huge, intimidating book. I wish I had some help. I wish somebody would show me how to read 10 verses, a chapter, or something, and then look at it and say, now what does this mean? And how is this supposed to change me? How is this supposed to impact me? She wants to do that. She wants to help you with that. So she came to me and she's uh, talked to Susie a bit and we're trying to get um, 
a framework for her to study. And then have a class, and not have a class necessarily where she just tells you, uh, does the devotional uh, reading for you, but you do your devotional reading, and then she helps you through it, and you say, now, now what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to get out of this? How am I supposed to see this? She's going to teach you not just to read the Bible, but how to read the Bible uh, yourself, okay? Incredible, incredibly huge need there. I've got, a, I've got some people lined up, and I, they haven't particularly agreed to it. That's why, that's why I've left it blank up here. And I think they're very hesitant about leading it. But I'm going to twist their arms, and I'm going to keep twisting their arms, okay? Don't, by the way, don't come to me and say, Wes, this has been on my heart. What do we do about this? How is this going to... Because you're going to end up leading a ministry, okay? In fact, this whole sermon and everything is happening because Dave Morang came to me one day. He is, he, he is learning never to do that ever again, okay? But... Um, I've got some people that I'm trying to twist their arm and get them to help do. Now, this is something, the Kelly's thing is knowing Jesus, knowing the Bible, getting to know the Bible better, growing in your area, the area of you understanding the Bible. These other people here, uh, this is Dave Ramsey's total money makeover, okay? Do you need some help in the area of finances? Do you need some help in the area of uh, getting your household in order and, and getting out of debt and all of those things? Well, guess what? There's a guy who's quite a guru on it, and he's written plenty of material, and I think everybody would benefit from hearing some of his ideas on how Christians ought to earn money, save money, spend money, okay? All right, Dave and Dixie, they're, they're the ones that are really ready to go, I think, ready to go at a moment's notice, um, and it's when he was talking to me about discipleship and about growth and everything, I said, there is a small group you could lead, and Looking at and knowing you and knowing your life, I know exactly what this, the subject of that ought to be, and it's reaching out to your adult children. And uh, so I, I started looking through the directory at our church, and I said, I came across quite a few people, and I said, you know what? I know a lot of people here who have a strained relationship with their adult children. They follow the Lord. Their children don't follow the Lord. They want their children to follow the Lord. Uh, they just don't know how to go about doing it. They don't even know how to think about it. Well, guess what? Um, I think we got some people who, who you can all walk through that together. You can pray about that together. You can talk about that together. And Dave and Dixie are going are gonna to teach that for us. Here's what we need from you. We need you to go to Dave and Dixie and say, this is, what I, this is how I feel about it. I want to participate in it. Just tell me when and I'll be there. Or I want to participate in that. I'm just not ready to attend a small group right now. Okay? Or... When are you going to do this again? Something like that, okay? Are you ready to be a part of that small group? And are you ready to be a part of that small group now? Or you think in the, in the future when you feel more comfortable going to somebody else's house, okay? All right? Let them know. Let them know or let me know. Tell us, is that something that you say, yes, this is the biggest stress in my life, the biggest worry in my life, the biggest thing I pray about. This is it. I want to be a part of that small group. And then just tell us, are you ready or are you not ready to, to, to be part of that yet? Okay? And then there's the ever in our hearts but never actually happening men's Bible study. About three years ago, we had a men's Bible study group, and it was really, really good. And then the person who was leading it, their life just got filled up to the point that they couldn't lead it anymore. So uh, he, he tried to hand it off to another guy, and that guy couldn't take it, and so he got handed off to me. Okay, I'll take it. And then Claire was born. So we'll all blame it on Claire, all 
all right? Uh, and after she was born, I'm just kidding, after she was born, I just couldn't do it. And now I'm finding it hard to find margin in my life to fit it in too. And there have been a couple of attempts to say, hey, men, when would you like to meet? On this day, the, you know, I gave him about five choices, and it was a complete even split. And there's, there's just no time that all the men can get together, okay? It's always in our hearts. We always want it happening. Never actually does. Let's try to get the men's Bible study going again, okay? If possible, if possible. Come to me and tell me, I'm willing. I want to be a part of it. All right, let's keep going. Now, if you say, Wes, that's great. Um, I've even got ideas for other small groups, but I'm not sure about small groups. I'm not sure about leading a small group because if we're going to have a bunch of small groups here, we've got to have a bunch of small group leaders. And just so you know, the small groups to me, they're not like adult Sunday school. Adult Sunday school will always happen in perpetua, all right? But the small groups, the small groups, uh, like Dave and Dixie's, it's not one that just starts and goes forever. It's six weeks. Six weeks. Is it five weeks or six weeks? Six weeks? Six weeks, okay? Because everybody's lives are full. You can't commit to something forever. And the content won't last forever either. So let's go ahead and just say, let's make our small groups six weeks. Could you possibly lead a small group for six weeks? And remember, you don't have to be a pastor, a ministry head, gone to seminary, anything like that to lead a small group. What do you have to do? What does it take to lead a small group? All you have to have is a little bit of space, all right? These days, with social distancing, you need a little bit more space. But the church, if, if not in your home, we have space in this church. You can use this church for a small group. I'd love for it to be held at your home, out on the deck, as long as the weather um, permits, or in, in your open concept living room. I'd love for it to happen there. If it can't happen there, it can happen here. doesn't happen on, have to happen on Sunday. You just tell us what day is good for you, and it can happen on whatever day uh, you want it to. All you have to have is have a space. And then all you really have to do is pick some content from something called Right Now Media. You can pick the content that you want. I want to approve all content, but we have something, our church has something called uh, Right Now Media. If you don't have a subscription to Right Now Media, let me know because it's all great content for you to use on your own or in a small group. John, go ahead and show us some, some Right Now Media here. So we have this thing. You go to rightnowmedia.org. You have a login. Just tell me and I'll invite you to join. All you need is your your um, uh, your email address, and then you create a password, and then all kinds of, of good stuff, okay? Huge libraries of very specific material on all different subjects. There's hardly a subject that uh, is not there, okay? Um, yeah, just look over here to the left, okay? We have youth, marriage, parenting, women, men, books of the Bible, apologetics, Christian living, keep scrolling down, uh, doctrine and theology, small groups. Oh, there's actually a small group study on small groups that you can do. Uh, mental health and recovery, college and young adults, history, missions and gospel outreach, biblical finance, works, science, pastors, worship, leadership, popular teachers, blah, 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 all kinds of stuff. Schools, holidays, video devotionals, real life stories, people giving their testimonies, all kinds of stuff in here. Now go up. And this is the one, just, hey, just for an example, the book of Ephesians by J.D. Greer. Who's J.D. Greer? He's the, he's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's qualified, okay? All right? And so you just click on that, and looky there, nine sessions, or really eight. 
Oh, no, nine sessions right there. You could have a nine-week small group there, and you didn't have to create anything. All you have to do, you can go back to the PowerPoint, all you have to do is gather some people in your home, pick some content, push play, and after it's over, say, so what did you think of that? And try to keep a conversation going for a few minutes afterwards. It's really just that easy. And then you open up the chips, okay? It's really just that easy. Now, of course it's not just that easy, but don't be intimidated by it just because you say you've never taught a class before. Let J.D. Greer teach the class, and then you just help everybody react to it, pray about it, apply it to their situations, and then open up some chips. That's about it, okay? All right. I want you to come take a closer step towards Jesus. You on your own with Jesus, just the pair of you, I want that. You moving forward with a group of us people, I want that. I want you to form a deeper bond with Jesus and a deeper bond with somebody else here at Faith Christian Church. That's what I want. And let's do it in small groups. If you're willing to lead a small group, you've got an idea for a small group, you can push play and then say, what did you think of that? Come let me know. Okay? If you are interested in joining one of the small groups that we talked about there, go see the person who, who leads it or come talk to me or come talk to one of the elders here, okay? We want to know. We want you to get involved because we want you to go to the same place we're all going, and that is right straight towards Jesus, okay? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you that you have invited us to take a step closer to you. And Lord, we do ask that you will help us to get closer to each other. Help us to walk arm in arm so that if anybody stumbles, they won't fall all the way down. And they'll just pick, get their feet back under them and keep walking. Lord, even if we walk at a snail's pace, help us to always be right on trajectory, right on pace, getting closer and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand and let's read the Lord's, say the Lord's Prayer. Pray the Lord's Prayer even together as a dismissal. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. Good to see you this morning. You are dismissed.